0: Let's consider this second murmuring, this second gripe, this second whinge. (laughs) Uh, Grizzling, grumbling, complaining, tempting, it says, tempting the Lord. And as I mentioned a little bit ago, the Lord is not pleased when people do murmur. And there's many, many occasions on the wanderings in the desert where they complained. At least 10 and we'll probably find 12 or so. Last week we looked at the first gripe that the people of Israel had. Remember they'd, they'd fled Egypt, there'd been the ten plagues in Egypt, great miracles of the Lord, the people had seen. Then they come up to the Red Sea, they're on the eastern side of it, oh, sorry, the western side of it, and then they find that Egypt, Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen and his war warriors are with him, and they're hemmed in, they can't go that way, they can't go to the sea, they can't go to the left or right, south or north because of the mountains coming down into the Red Sea. They were stuck. They were hemmed in. And the Egyptians realised this. But the Lord protected them. But they whinged. They complained. Would to God we died in Egypt and not been brought out in this desert to die. Remember last week? They were fearful and faithless. And, the, and Moses said, Stand st- still and see the salvation of the Lord. Well, the Lord opened up the sea and a way was made for them to go through the sea, which the Egyptians are saying to do, were drowned, not one of them left. And so that was the first complaint. Let's not complain. (laughs) Even though they complained, the Lord was faithful to them. They needed to be fearless. They needed to be faithful, but they weren't, especially after seeing the hand of the Lord do what he did in Egypt and bring them out miraculously. The next complaint we find here in Exodus chapter 16 and Numbers chapter 11 that we read a moment ago. The second gripe, they griped about their food. They had no food. Maybe they're running a bit short. We're we're about a month and a half into the journey and they'd been eating the things they'd taken from Egypt. And now, well, what are we going to eat? We're going to die in this... Again, we're going to die. God's brought us out here to die with a lack of food. But it's not only a lack of food, it was lack of what they enjoyed down there in Egypt. They wanted Egypt's dainties. And this is given to us in Exodus chapter 16, verse 2. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses. as if Moses could do it. And Aaron in the wilderness. Now, Moses was familiar with the wilderness. Remember, he was out there running sheep around for Jethro, his father-in-law, for 40 years. He knew this place. He'd been around for a while. <laughs> he knew the ins, the outs, the valleys and the mountains. But uh, they, they pinned it on Moses and murmured against him and the children of Israel. In verse 3 said unto them, Would that we had died in the ha- by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots, And when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole congregation with hunger. And so they were putting it on Moses, laying it on thick in verse 7 of Exodus 16. And in the morning, then shall ye see the glory of the Lord, because he hath heard your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us, said Moses. And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but they're against the Lord. Remember that, Christian. When we complain about our situation, when we complain about our lot in life, we murmur against the Lord. Remember that verse over in Romans chapter 8? We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You see, our situation is given to us by the Lord. And actually, if you listen to last Sunday School's lesson on quietening a noisy soul, I didn't know what was on that last week until after I'd preached. And again, we preach. He was using a very similar example, and he used... The thought of Romans 8, 28, that uh, Brother Berg did in that. Listen to them. If you haven't listened to them, listen to them in conjunction with what we're doing in Exodus. So here they were murmuring, they were complaining, and, and we could go right through that chapter there and see all these complaints. We see their sarcastic crowd. <laughs> chapter 11, where we had a reading of Numbers, and verse four to six that we read and the mixed multitude that was among them fell to lusting this is no more than lusting our needs are being met but we're not satisfied with what god has given us this is what they were complaining about and, and notice there who shall give us flesh to eat and in verse six and now our soul is dried away for is nothing at all besides this manner before our eyes they soon got sick of eating manna. I suppose you get sick of eating ice cream if you had ice cream all the time too, children. <laughs> but these these people were sick. Now, if God gave this food, if he provided it for them to live the whole congregation, do you think, or do you not think, it would be the best food? It would have all the vitamins and all the minerals that needed to sustain them. I believe so. But they lusted after egypt and the dainties from there they were not contented with god's provision in first timothy chapter 6 verse 6 to 8 it reads but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we can carry nothing out having food and raiment let us be there with content and remember about their raiment for 40 years, it didn't wear out. Sorry, ladies, they couldn't go to the store and buy a new one. <laughs> they, they had to wear the same ones for 40 years because it didn't wear out. Neither did their shoes. Neither did the manna stop coming down. But there was great provision of the Lord, a miraculous provision. This is a miraculous thing that was happening, but they were complaining about it. Let's watch out that we do not do exactly that. And so they were lusting after the world. They wanted to have all the things that the world had. They, if, if you put it in today's terms, well, we will in a moment. <laughs> but it was wanting, hankering, desiring the things of the world and not the things of God. First John 2:15 to 17, we quote it over and over again. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, this is their problem, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passes away in the lust of it. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Keep it that verse always in mind. Don't be like these Israelis in the desert, A miracle has happened to us we've been brought out of egypt our soul has been saved for eternity the things of this world are going to go and disappear one day and all be burnt up but what will last is the things of eternity the eternal things and so keep it in mind when you start thinking oh i haven't got this and i haven't got that i need this and i need that and we don't in in second peter second peter let me read this portion of scripture Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 11, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy living and godliness? Christians should be different. Our desires should be different. We should be looking for eternity. You know, I said, I'd list a few things that we could lust after from the old life, from Egypt, from the world. It's the fads and fashions of this world. We don't have to be a part of that. We don't have to have the latest to make us think that we're fitting in or or have have what we need. It's not a need, it's a greed. The fads and fashion of the world. that The Bible says, you'll have the word fashion, will pass away. The finances of the world. Oh, the the mammon. Oh, the world has got so much more. I give to the Lord's work and I do this and do that for others. And I've got less than the world. Ah but yours has been multiplied in heaven. The reward will be great. And the Lord will no man, as it's been said, can outgive God. the fickleness of the world. It's all just a facade. It's, it's all put on. The facade of the world, the friendships of the world. The friends we used to have don't walk with us anymore. they look at us what's happened to this. He's gone strange. Um, the, the filthiness of the world. The world is growing increasingly foul and filthy. You only have to listen to the radio or the media in any form, and they're not afraid to use curse words, they're not afraid to use God's name in vain. And uh, the, the, many people do that daily. The, the things of the world. All these things I've written down with the, the letter F um, the the football, the firm, the family you think of the sports today with the lockdown. They they are all talking about when can we get back? When can we get back? How can we get back and do this? And um, football clubs and soccer clubs and the other clubs uh, that where people gathered together have been locked down, can't go in. Uh, They're going broke quickly, spending up the money to keep things running. Hey, we should be content. We don't need the world. We don't want the flesh pots of Egypt. How's your heart? As you examine yourself, the fame of the world. I, 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 always, I could become an important person, but in eternity, will you be important? It's the least of people that usually the humble people that will be important in heaven. Uh, <clears throat> we won't take our fame from here to to heaven. God knows exactly the motives of the heart, the food of Egypt, the food of Egypt, <laughs> Do we want the fellowship of the world? Or do we want the fellowship of the saints? Are you missing the fellowship? So there's a sarcastic crowd that makes criticisms of the things that God provides. But it's it's worse than that, and we'll see that in a moment. It's worse than just hankering for these things because what they are dissatisfied with is a real problem. What we might be dissatisfied with is a real problem. But the supernatural food, as we've seen already, in Exodus chapter 16 it came down every day and the Lord said to Moses in verse 4 of 16 of Exodus behold I will rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or whether they won't and so we have this mentioned of this miraculous provision in verse 14 of exodus 16 and when the dew that lay was gone up behold upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing as small as hoar frost of the ground on the ground and when the children of israel saw it they said one to another it is manna for they wist not what it was and moses said unto them this is the bread which the lord hath given unto you now it's not just a little bit we used to go and pick mushrooms on the farm at Emerald. They just grew. We'd take the washing basket and we'd gather a washing basket full. And every day they'd come up again and again. And then we'd take them to the little local milk bar store where there's no supermarkets in those days, and, and we'd sell them to them and, and the rabbits too. <laughs> but we'd go pick it off the ground. But imagine, we're talking more than 2 million people. This is a massive amount of food. In, what is Melbourne's population? Five million? I don't know, but it used to be four million. Half of the population of Melbourne going out gathering the food for the morning uh, <clears throat> when the sun came up and the hoarfrost disappeared. And here was this food that God miraculously provided for 40 years. The best food that you could get. Above every sort of food that they had in Egypt. You know, the leeks and garlics were nothing. It might, they might have tasted better for them. They were used to that, like Australians love Vegemite. Well, some of us do, <laughs> in, in a limited amount. Give it to someone else, they don't like it. But they, they got used to the taste of the food of Egypt. They got used to the habits of Egypt. We need to examine ourselves about these things. Many other portions there speak of this bread that came down and the provision of it. Now we think of, not just the sarcastic crowd, the supernatural food, but think of what I mentioned before, of who this speaks of. This is why it was so serious for them to complain against it. Let's go to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John in chapter 6. This bread, this bread from heaven speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ, the supernatural bread from heaven. Chapter 6 and verse 49 of John. And your fathers did eat eat manna in the wilderness that we've been talking about and are dead. This is the bread that cometh down from heaven that a man may eat of it and not die. (laughs) You see, our complaint is even more grievous. Our murmuring, our whinging is more serious than what it was For those back there in the wilderness they complained about a bread if they ate they would die we complain about a bread that if we eat we have eternal life in the Lord Jesus because he is the bread as he said in verse 51 I am the living bread that came down from heaven if any man eat of this bread he shall live forever and the bread that I will give is my flesh which I'll give for the life of the world I mean, we don't have to think about this much. It makes it very plain that that manna was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the Lord Jesus Christ came, he gave his life that we might have eternal life. And we eat the bread, eternal bread from heaven. The Lord is superior in every way. In verse 58 of the same chapter of John, we read, This is the bread which came down from heaven, as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. <laughs> oh, what more do you want? Why are we complaining? <laughs> Life is a short span. Ask the elderly. It goes so quick and they're getting toward the end and it's all over. But eternity awaits the believer. Let's get this in our heads. Young people, get it early. That this world will not satisfy, though you think you're doing without. And you're, oh, well, I've got to go to church again. I can't go to the footy. I can't go out with my friends. Forget it. They're only temporal things. Think of the eternal, the blessings of spirituality, of being one of God's children. And so we have the supernatural bread. He came unto his own Even when the real bread came, he came to his own, the Jews, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. If you go to the book of Hebrews, and I'll just mention it, we won't even turn there, but you could turn there. (laughs) I've got it marked, I'll turn there, that's quick. (laughs) Jesus Christ is talked about as being better, 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 better in the book of Hebrews. The word is used, but it's inferred many other times where it's not used. Listen to this. In Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, For who God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Now here, the Lord Jesus is going to be compared with the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken to us unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. The Lord Jesus is compared with the prophets. He he was a prophet. (laughs) And he is the greatest of all prophets. And he's better than the prophets. Why do we complain about the bread from heaven Who is better than all the prophets of the old testament he's not only better than the prophets but in verse four and it uses the word better here being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they have you ever spoken to an angel probably i don't think so we've spoken to the lord and and it's much better to have the Lord, the Lord is compared with angels in that verse. And right down from verse, chapter 1, verse 4 to chapter 2 and verse 8, he's compared with angels. And he's better than the angels. I know he is the angel of the Lord, talked of in the Old Testament, the Christophany. Then in chapter 3 and verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ, who was faithful to him that appointed him as Moses, was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Now, who is he be, being compared to here? Who's the Lord Jesus being compared to here? He's been compared with Moses. Well, Moses was a great man. The Jewish people hold hold. Him in high regard, held him in high regard, although they complained against him. But he's better than Moses. And Moses was a great leader for 40 years, leading them through the wilderness. Great training, 80 years of training in, the, in, in Egypt for 40, in the wilderness for 40, and then leading the people. The Lord Jesus is better than Moses. Chapter 4 and verse 8 of the book of Hebrews, it reads there, For if Jesus, or Joshua, had given them rest then he would not afterward have spoken of another day you see joshua who led them into the land of canaan gave them rest they still had to fight but gave them rest of sanctification as we looked at last week he was great he and caleb went in there the two spies that said let's go go get it they were the ones that went in and caleb said i want that mountain <laughs> i want that mountain That's the one the Lord promised to give me because I was faithful. But Jesus is better than Joshua. Joshua gave them Canaan rest. Jesus gives us eternal rest. He's better than Joshua. And this is a whole sermon in itself, just touching the high points. And then in chapter 5 of the book of Hebrews, who is the Lord Jesus compared to? Here, he's better than something else, someone else. For every high priest taken from among... Man is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. And who who was the first high priest there of Israel? There in the wilderness, Aaron. Jesus is better than Aaron. He's our great high priest. He's interceding every day for all those that come to him, making intercession for us, for the saints, according to the will of God, through the spirit of God. So he's better than Aaron. Why do we want better when we've already got the best? Why did Israel hunger and hanker after the things of Egypt when they already had something better and they were going to a better place, a more restful, peaceful place without the whips of the Egyptians and the hard labour? Folks, think of it. What the Lord has done for us in salvation is wonderful. The Lord Jesus is our supernatural bread. That we partaken of, and we have great promises given through Him, the Lord Jesus. We must move on quickly. <laughs> I seem to do that. Labour on the first points and whip through the last few quickly. Well, the Lord Jesus is our satisfying bread. Let's go to let's go to the Gospel of John again. The Gospel of John, chapter six, verse thirty-two. We read there and then jesus said unto them verily verily i say unto you moses gave you not the bread from heaven but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven for the bread of god is he who cometh down from heaven and giveth unto you giveth life unto the world there it is <laughs> the lord jesus our satisfying bread we should be content we should be satisfied with the lord jesus Listen to Psalm 17 and verse 1. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I wake with thy likeness. You know, I know that can refer to a future day, but we can see him in the word. We come face to face in the mirror of the word and we see ourselves, we see the Lord Jesus, his perfection and our imperfections. And we we will be satisfied One day when we wake with his likeness, face to face, I shall behold him. The song we sing that um, we ought to remember in our hearts. (laughs) Satisfied, satisfaction over in the book of Psalms 103 and verse 5. We read there, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. He satisfies the Christian with good things in psalm again and verse uh, chapter 105 this time in verse 37 105 37 and and following we read there when i find it he brought me forth also with silver and gold he brought them forth with silver and gold that's out of egypt and there was not one feeble person among their tribes egypt was glad when they departed for the fear of them fell upon them He spread a a cloud for a covering and fire to give light by night. And the people asked and he brought quails. He satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and waters gushed out. They ran in the dry places like a river. And these are the promises. (laughs) He satisfied them with these things. He satisfies us. With the Lord Jesus, a satisfying portion of bread that really meets the need, physical and spiritual. Psalm 107, verse 8 and 9, we read, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, that we would praise him for what he has done and what he has promised to do. I just finished reading a book on the book of Revelation written by someone else in more of a novel form, and it was great to read it. I finished it at 4 o'clock this morning. But it it was great to read and be excited and and feel contentment with where I'm headed, where we're headed as Christians. In verse 9 of Psalm 107, he said, "'He satisfieth the longing soul "'and filleth the hungry soul with goodness.'" Ah, are you satisfied? There's a song that we sing here at church. Satisfied all my life long I had panted for a draught from some clear spring that I hoped would quench my burning of the thirst that I felt within. Hallelujah, I have found him whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longings through his blood. I now am saved. And there's three more good verses in that. And you can sing that and hum that chorus again and again. He satisfies us. So he is the supernatural bread, the Lord Jesus. He is the satisfying bread. He is the sustaining bread. We will never hunger and never thirst. In John's Gospel again, we go back there to chapter 6. Now, all these verses are different verses to the one before. I'm not going over the same ones. And they're all mentioned here in John 6. And verse 34, we read this. Then said he unto them, no, then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. It sounds like back there in John chapter 3, in John chapter 4, John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman, you know, take this drink and you'll never thirst. You won't have to come back to this well to be satisfied and sustained. Well, here thou would never hunger and never thirst again. In Psalm 52 verse 22, cast thy bread upon the... (sighs) Thy bread, I've got it on the brain. (laughs) Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. He shall sustain thee. We won't be moved. Psalm 3 verse 5. I lay down and slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. Every night he sustains us. He keeps us ticking until the day that he calls us home. And absent from the body present with the Lord. What better promises could we have? The Lord Jesus sustains us. Sustains us. In the book of Nehemiah chapter 6. 9 and verse 16 We have this. But they and our fathers dealt proudly. They hardened their necks and hearkened not to thy commandments and refused to obey, neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them. But hardened their necks and in their rebellion appointed a captain to their bondage. But thou, O Lord, now, God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and forsakest them not. Yea, when they had made them uh, molten calf, this is in the wilderness, and said, this is thy God that brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, and wrought great provision, provocations when they did this. Yet thou, in thy manifold mercies, forsakest them not. In all the miracles and all the things that God did for them, they went and made a golden calf when Moses was up on the mount getting the, getting the law. Thou gavest them also good spirit to instruct them, in verse 20, and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth, and gavest them water for their thirst. For forty years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness, so that they lacked nothing, their children, no, their clothes, waxed not old and their feet swelled not this is what nehemiah is saying when he's preaching to the returned exiles from babylon about god's provision and god making meeting the needs of the of the people in the past but they so soon forgot folk we forget what we have got in the lord jesus christ so quickly and start wanting to go back to that place called the world egypt think of what the lord has promised I like what Hosiah said in Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come to the waters, and he that hath no money, come and buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? You know, going back to Egypt with the leeks and the onions, and the garlics and all the other stuff, it was going back to that which satisfies not. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread it's not bread it's not eternal why waste your life christian on doing things and spending your energies on things that only meet your needs and not meet the needs of others and help people out spiritually and i can guarantee you that when when we get to heaven There'll be a lot of regrets because we didn't do what we should have done with the energy we had in this life and with the miracle of salvation we have and with the opportunities wasted in life. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labour for that which satisfies not? Hearken diligently unto me and eat that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Into the Word. Understand what God wants in your life. The Lord Jesus is our sustaining bread. And uh, two more points. The Lord Jesus is our secure bread. Our secure bread. In John's Gospel again, chapter 6 and verse 37 The Father giveth all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And verse 39. And this is the Father's will who has sent me, that of all that he hath given me, I should should lose nothing. Nobody will be lost who has been given by the Father to the Son. This is security. He is the secure bread, our bread of security. And we read, but should raise it up in the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me that everyone who seeth the son and believeth on him may have everlasting life and i will raise him up in the last day <laughs> and we could read verse 40 and and verse 48 we could go to romans which i had down and marked up and then you know what shall separate us from the love of god shall tribulations shall angels shall principalities shall powers none of these things you once you've got the bread of life you've got the bread of life for eternity Once you have believed, you're saved and secured and sealed by the Holy Spirit, as we've already spoken about in the previous weeks. What a blessing. John 10, verse 28 reads, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And in verse 29, My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. (laughs) We're in the hands of the Lord. Lord Jesus, our secure bread, our sustaining bread, our supernatural bread, our satisfying bread. And fifthly, the Lord Jesus is our sole supply of bread. In verse 48 of John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. I've gone through the I am's. You may have looked at them in the book of John. The deity's declarations, I am. I am the bread of life. Can you get it any simpler than that? He is the sole supply of bread. Acts 4 verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. One source of salvation. One way to enter heaven. Jesus is the only way. 1 Timothy 2 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus John chapter six, verse sixty eight I think we have read this one, <clears throat> many therefore, or no, we haven't, many therefore, of his disciples, when they uh, heard this, saying, This is a hard saying that they eat his flesh and drink his blood, spiritually speaking, of course, no, nor on him physically, and they went and followed him. no this is a hard saying, who can hear it? And they went and followed him no more. Ah, uh, he is the only source of eternal life. Of living bread. John 14, six, that Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Exclusive, one way. Sole supply of bread. And over in John's Gospel, chapter 10, and verses 7 and through to 9. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If, if by me, no, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He is the, he's the only door. He's the only bread. He's the only way. There's no other way. Therefore, Christians, let's not be like the Jewish people in the wilderness. Be content Don't gripe, don't grizzle, don't murmur, don't complain. Be content. Read first Timothy chapter six and verse six and following. Philippians four eleven. For I have learned, Paul said, in whatever state I'm that, in prison or without food, in a shipwreck three times, beaten five times with forty stripes uh, (laughs) I'm content. I'm in whatever state I'm that in to to be content. Hebrews thirteen five. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with the things that you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, folks, we ought to be completely satisfied. One last few ver- two verses here in Psalm 78. Psalm 78 and verse 24. And rained down manna upon them to eat and gave them of the corn of heaven the corn of heaven, we have the corn of heaven, the Lord Jesus. Man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. What more can you, can you want? What, what more can I say? If you're not content with the Lord Jesus, then you're probably not a Christian. You're hankering after the world and want to go back there and many have gone back there. And I remember back in Bible college, it was 30-something, I think 34 students. When Jill and I were going through, there's only just a small handful of those still going to church. There's Bible college students that knew the way. And it sounds like Israel, doesn't it? Let's be satisfied. Let's be content. Let's not gripe. Let's not whinge. But let's be content. You know, no, people don't like whinging people. You you can't be around them long, and they're complaining all the time about everything that's wrong in their lives. Oh, get over it! Get over it. There was I had it written down. I didn't use it, but there was a person I knew that was ninety, and they were complaining about lots of things. The ache here and they pain here and this, that, and the other. I, was, oh, I I said to them, listen, you're ninety. What do you expect? You've had 20 more years than God promised. And we're going to grow old. Praise God we're going to get a new body and be out of here. Be content. Be satisfied. I've had others that have grown old and, and they're such a sweet spirit. They're a joy to be round. They encourage and lift you up. And hey, that's the way to be. Plan to grow old like that. <laughs> Plan to grow old like that. God bless you as you consider these thoughts. And Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the bread from heaven that should satisfy us completely if we're not satisfied with the Lord Jesus, there's nothing and nobody in all the universe that will satisfy us and rebuke us, Lord, for not being content with the bread from heaven, living life for eternity. The Lord. Rebuke our spirits and maybe we be content with the bread that falls around us every day, afresh, brought to us from the living word. May, Lord, if there's someone listening today that has not partaken of the bread, eaten the flesh and drunk the blood of the Lord Jesus, that is, accepting these things, the truths of God's word and believed on the Lord Jesus, may they today believe and have the bread from heaven. We ask and pray and give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Lord bless.